Otherwise, let's start making our way to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, and while you open, let me ask you a question about wisdom. Where do you go for wisdom? And you may rush that answer to your to that question and say, you know, wisdom, uh, that, that's easy. I just ask Alexa or Siri or, you know, maybe <laughs> you're one of the rare people who uses Google Assistant or whatever, but you're you just like know where to go to get answers. Uh, maybe you're super into technology and, you know, you want to make a case for source of wisdom known as chat GPT. Um, I'm glad you don't know what that is. Like two of you do. Homework's about to get a lot easier. That's all I'm going to say. But Alexa and Wikipedia and Google, listen, those really aren't sources of wisdom. Uh, Those are only sources of information. In some ways, they give us the illusion of wisdom, but having information, it's not the same as having actual wisdom. It's, it's not actual intelligence. Having information or having access to information, that does not make you wise. Wisdom is having the experience or the knowledge to understand how things work. And that understanding and that knowledge, it produces in you an ability to have good judgment. I would say it this way, with wisdom comes knowledge and discernment and good judgment. With wisdom, you can know the best way to do something. With wisdom, you can arrive at a solution to a problem much faster than others. With wisdom, you can avoid trouble and make life much easier for yourself than for those around you. Wisdom can give you good judgment to discern what's right and what's wrong. It can help you discern truth from error. It can help you make the best decision where there doesn't always seem to be a clear or easy answer in front of you. You need wisdom to help you with that. Wisdom can help you detect the true intentions of the people around you. We could go on and on for those reasons and more. Wisdom is something that is highly valuable. And it's something that all of us should want. So let me ask again, where do you go for wisdom? Alexa is not going to get you there. You can be really good on the internet. It's just not going to give you wisdom. Artificial intelligence the same problem. Now, maybe some of you are starting to think about people. Where would I go for wisdom? Maybe I would go to a teacher or a small group leader, or I'll go to my parents, maybe even a pastor, and you would go to them for wisdom. And of of course, those people, they are placed in our lives to be a great help to us, often older and wiser. Those people are going to be helpful generally pretty well equipped to help us in our moments of need. Yes, those people are a good source of wisdom. But if we think about it, we're really just borrowing their wisdom. If we think about those people that we go to when we need help, when we're not sure what to do, 
it is true that they're very helpful, but they're sort of loaning us their wisdom. And although that's great, wouldn't you like to be wise on your own one day? Wouldn't you like to have that knowledge to understand enough about people and life to be discerning on your own? Wouldn't you like to have your own wisdom to make the best decision, no matter the situation in front of you? Wouldn't you like to have your own wisdom to have good judgment about what to do next? Wouldn't you like to have wisdom of your own to know how to get through the trouble that you face? Imagine having an iPhone but no charger. And always, I know nightmare, right? Always having to borrow someone else's. Depending on everyone else around you to to loan you their charger. Well, that's a rough way to have a phone. The same would be true for wisdom. Always depending on everyone else around you to loan you their wisdom. That's a rough way to get through life. You need your own wisdom. It shouldn't surprise you to know that God is the ultimate source of wisdom. That's why he's God. But it may surprise you to know that God doesn't just want to loan you his wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom, wisdom for you to keep, wisdom that's yours. James chapter 1, James there is writing to believers who are going through a really difficult time. Those Christians were really hurting and they had real trouble. And speaking of their trouble, in his letter to those believers, he, he calls that trouble, that difficult life moment, he calls it a trial. And speaking of that trial, he says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it'll be given him. God is the source of wisdom, and God wants us to know that He is also a God who wants to give us wisdom. God offers us this great gift, and we can't miss this. Even implied there in James is that we need this wisdom because we naturally do not have it. You don't have the wisdom that you need to navigate Life, when it comes to this kind of wisdom, we're not born with it. You're lacking. You need it. God has wisdom for you for maybe the trouble that you're facing right now. God has wisdom for you to be more discerning. He has wisdom for you to make better decisions and have better judgment. And again, don't miss this. That's a wisdom that you need. That's wisdom that you do not have. So if you want wisdom on your own, there's really only one place to go. Better, there's really only one whom we can go, and that one is God. And that's our big idea this morning from 1 Kings. We'll see this on display. But God is the source, and he's the supplier of the wisdom that we need. In other words, if you need wisdom this morning, and wow, I can't imagine there's anyone here who would say, I'm I'm good, I don't need any. But if you need wisdom this morning, if you want to grow in that, if you want to grow in discernment, then you should ask God to give it to you. 
James isn't the first person to write of God being the giver of wisdom. In fact, as I've already said, we're going to see it on display here in 1 Kings this morning. 1 Kings chapter 3, a great reminder that we should ask for wisdom and that God is faithful and able to give wisdom to those who ask for it in the right way. Let's read our chapter here. We'll read just the first 14 verses and then we'll make a few comments. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 1 says this, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and he brought her into the city of David till he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Verse 4, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Solomon said, you've shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you've kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servants in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what's right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you'll walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I'll lengthen your days. Let's call this first section, Wisdom Humbly Requested. I know I'm in the presence of some great Old Testament scholars, so let me address a few things. If any of you have been reading books about 1 Kings and whatever in your, in your downtime, you may have questions about Solomon's marriage to Pharaoh's daughter. 
Verse 1 right there, didn't God forbid such a thing in books before this, like Exodus and Deuteronomy? And, and what about these high places? Verse 2 and 3 mention those. Isn't that a symbolic term for a place of idol worship that the pagan nations around God's people used? And that's actually how it is described in books like Leviticus and Numbers and Second Samuel here before First Kings, we would even read this in Psalm 78, that God's people provoke God to anger with their high places. They moved God to jealousy with their idols. But verse 3 is a really big statement about Solomon. It says he loves Yahweh. He loves the Lord. He loves God and he obeys God's ways that he learned from his father David. His, his dad gave him that instruction and it seems to be the desire of his heart to live in a way that pleases God. And verse 5, God even appears to Solomon at this high place in Gibeon in this dream. So it seems like it's meant to be a a positive picture of our new king. We know he isn't perfect. We know that he's not, not exactly perfect, but he's doing mostly right in the eyes of God. He loves to worship God and please God. He's earned the respect of this Pharaoh in Egypt, enough that this Pharaoh wants to align with him a nation that they once ruled over. So clearly something's happening with God's people. It's drawing the attention of other, you know, huge world leaders. Regardless really of how much we may want to see this chapter as sort of hinting at the existing cracks in the armor of Solomon, the point is clear. I said this last week and I'll say it again. When words repeat And there are some words that repeat here in chapter 3. We're meant to pay attention to those. Those are meant to sort of capture our attention and and highlight what this chapter would be about. This chapter is about wisdom. It's a word that repeats. It's a chapter about judgment. And not being under judgment, but about being a good judge. And that's a word that repeats. It's about discernment. Again, another word that's repeated here in chapter 3. And our first section gives us another hint as we come across the word ask again and again. God has given Solomon an amazing invitation, an amazing opportunity that all of us would dream of. This is a, a true Aladdin moment as he stands before God, but this one's so much better. There is Solomon standing before not a genie, but the creator. And God is offering this, verse 5, ask what you wish me to give you. And here again is our unchanging God, the same God we read about in James who offers wisdom for those in need. Here is the same God offering to give whatever is needed. And we might note a few characteristics about this interaction as we think about asking God for the wisdom we need for life. And I'm just going to give them all to you at once so that you can jot them down, but we're going to talk about these along the way. 
the first truth for us to note is really this. God is ready to give. God is ready and he's equipped to give to those who ask. He isn't saying ask, you know, and I'll think about it. He's saying ask because I'm the giving God. I'm the God who's ready and waiting to give. And we might return to James chapter 4, verse 2, where there we would read, you do not have simply for one reason, because you don't ask. God is ready to give. And Solomon's answer, it reminds us of God's faithfulness. And that's going to fill us with such confidence. God's faithfulness should lead us to ask for wisdom with confidence. Look at verse 6. Solomon, he recounts the, the faithfulness, those covenants that God had shown to his father and how that's in place as he's on the throne. That took place in 2 Samuel 7, and he's talking about that, and he's highlighting this older promise that God made to his dad. And then he goes even further back, verse 8, David there highlighting God's faithfulness to another promise about a thousand years old that he made to Abraham. That phrase there, too many to number, that should remind us of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 13, that Abrahamic covenant that God made there. The point is that history is not lost on Solomon. He recalls the past and he uses it to remind himself that God has been so faithful. God's faithfulness, he sees it crystal clear when he looks back. And God's faithfulness is unmistakable and that leads him to be confident to ask God for wisdom. He knows that God is dependable and God is reliable. If God is offering, then God, because of who he is, is not only ready to give, but he's able to give. Solomon knows that. God's record is perfect. I don't know if we think about that as much as we should. God is yet to miss. He's never let us down. He's He's never broken his word from the Garden of Eden all the way till Golgotha where Christ was was crucified. God had made promises and he kept every single one of them. And from the early church up until the very present day that we're in today, God has made promises and he has kept them all. When you ask God for wisdom, you ask someone with a perfect record. God is faithful. Ask confidently. And then verses 7 to 8 kind of reveal for us the motive for Solomon's request. He, he stands there knowing that he has just one wish. I mean, I don't even want to ask you guys what you would wish for. I don't know what I would have said in junior high. Probably a, a skate park in my backyard or hit more homers or something? I don't even know, but I, I know when I look here at, at Solomon, we see his motives are so different from ours. He knows he's young. He, he knows he's inexperienced for this huge task in front of him of being this king and this leader to God's people. He knows that he lacks the wisdom to lead God's people the way that they deserve and need to be led. So he asks in verse 9 for a, a hearing heart, a, a life to hear. 
He asks for discernment and he asks for wisdom. And Solomon's request at first read, it may seem personally beneficial, but notice his motive is not really for himself. He's only talking about God's people here. It's the people of God that are Solomon's greatest concern. And may we learn from Solomon here to ask for wisdom. Yeah, for ourselves, we want to have that wisdom personally and we want it to be ours. But we should ask for wisdom that's helpful for God's people around us. We should ask that our wisdom given by God might be a blessing to his people. Wisdom that's helpful to instruct, to aid God's people, to be a blessing and a joy for God's people. That is a great motive for asking for wisdom. When it comes to wisdom, God's ready to give and his faithfulness give us confidence to ask for it. And our motive should extend beyond our own lives. Look at verse 10. God was pleased with Solomon's request. So pleased, in fact, that God sort of expresses his pleasure to give him what he asked for and also for what he didn't ask for but could have. I believe we're meant to see the the smile of God here that Solomon's request put a smile on God's face like a proud father of his child. And our request for wisdom should be one with the same goal. We should ask that it would please God, that we've asked him for something that we know will be pleasing to him that we've asked for. So we ask him as the one ready to give, ask him in confidence as he's proven by his faithfulness that he's so able and ask him with a motive beyond yourself, ask him with the desire to please him and One last benefit of wisdom here, verse 11, it helps us see the situation a little clearer. Perhaps God was revealing the things that were floating around Solomon's head as he stood there before God, like, oh man, what should I ask for? Solomon almost asked for these, but we see that because he asked for the best thing, because he asked for wisdom, God not only gave him that, but verse 13, he also gave him what he didn't ask for. Ask for wisdom, knowing that God is generous in his giving. Now listen, I don't intend to say that God will give you riches and glory and fame if you ask for wisdom. But I do agree with Paul, who says in Ephesians 3, that that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even can think about. I believe that's true. And, and God is so gracious in his giving and he's, he's so generous to us in the way that he gives to us. And with wisdom, can we also not expect that God might do in our lives something far above all that we might be asking for, something far above all that we could even think is possible? And can you not, even now, for some of you who've only been saved for a short time, can you not see the generous and gracious goodness, the the abundance of kindness from God on display in your own life? 
I believe that we can only expect more. God is so generous to us, to the one who seeks wisdom. Again, ask uh, from the God who's ready to give. Ask with confidence as you recount God's faithfulness. Ask for wisdom, for more than yourself. Ask for it to be a blessing to God's people. Ask knowing that it pleases God and ask for wisdom, knowing that God is generous in his giving. And when you ask for wisdom like that in this way, and you ask for wisdom from the God who is able to do far more than we can imagine, we can expect in our life that his wisdom will yield benefits that we never even thought possible. Solomon's life gives us such a helpful little window here. This is the how and the why we should ask God for wisdom. And the rest of the chapter, it's, it's just a reminder that God did what he said he would do. That's all this is for. It's almost a, an illustration of proof that God delivered. Let me read it and, and then we'll just make a, a few observations. Verse 15. And Solomon awoke And behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and he stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and he offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and he made a feast for all his servants. Then two prostitutes came to the king and they stood before him. One woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after... I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house, and this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. She arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept, laid him at her breast, and laid her dead son at mine. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child's mine, and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke like this before the king. Verse 23, Then the king said, The one says, This is my son that's alive, and your son's dead. And the other says, No, but... Your son's dead, and my son is the living one. The king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Verse 26, and the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, my Lord, give her the living child, by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. King answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman. By no means put him to death. She's his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. We'll call this wisdom clearly given. God had clearly granted Solomon's request. Solomon has wisdom and discernment now to lead 
God's people. It's a tough case. There's just no witnesses. And Solomon has to make a decision here for these two women. And verse 23, just to get through it, the king's just sort of summarizing what he's heard. So let me get this straight. You think the child's yours, and you're saying the child's yours. Got it. Only a real mother's love would rather her child be alive and with the wrong mother than dead. So Solomon asks for a sword. <laughs> I don't think he ever intended to actually do it, but he reveals the true mom. His wisdom on display and word is just traveling quickly. In verse 28 really says it all. Israel heard the judgment of the king and they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. I wish we had time to look at it, but if you were going to circle or highlight two verses in this chapter, it would be verse 28 and it would be verse 9 because verse 28 is a perfect match. It's a perfect answer to what Solomon requested in, in verse 9. He wanted a life full of wisdom to judge God's people, to have discernment between good and evil, and God had unmistakably and clearly granted Solomon's request. You can't miss it. And why do we ask God for wisdom? Well, don't miss the conclusion here, verse 28. It's not Solomon's wisdom on display, but the wisdom of God that captivated God's people. And what can we take out of here besides our need for wisdom? Well, with both Solomon and his father David, we have two pictures of what the true king might look like. As we think about David for a second, back from 2 Samuel with Solomon's father, David gave us this great picture and glimpse of the kindness of the king. A great picture of the, the covenant love and righteousness and the kind of king that Jesus truly is to those that belong to him. And here now, Solomon is full of wisdom and discernment and his judgment impeccable. And as both David and Solomon fail to be the perfect king, they both equally point to the coming king, Jesus, that came and has already brought his kingdom to bear. And Solomon wrote of that coming king in Psalm 72. I don't know if you knew that. He wrote a psalm. We should let his words instruct us for a second. Psalm 72, verse 17, Solomon writes this, speaking of that coming king, May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him and all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This king has already begun his reign. I know we talk about that often, but Jesus' kingdom was initiated on the cross. His wisdom, better than Solomon's, his discernment, his judgment, better than anyone's, won't you obey this king? 
who calls you to turn from your sin and to follow him instead? Won't you listen to this king with perfect wisdom? Won't you trust him for your life? That his wisdom won't steer you wrong. His plan and purpose is perfect for you. Won't you see the wisdom that he truly has as he invites you to join him, to come into his kingdom? Won't you receive his free gift of salvation even today? A picture of a king, yes, kind, but wise. Solomon helps us to see that the wisdom that Jesus has is so much better. Father, thank you for this morning as we look about the wisdom that you offer. Father, thank you for this great moment in history as we get to look back and see that you are a God who is both source and supplier of wisdom. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize our need for wisdom and Lord, to to grasp a better understanding of how to ask for it rightly. God, I even pray for us this morning as we think about what this picture of Solomon also looks like, how it points us to see that your son and our king, God, how wise he truly is. We thank you for that. I pray that that would be an encouragement to the young believers in the room this morning. I pray that that would fill our lives with hope and joy for the next few days. And God, for those who still reject you and your kingship and your gift of grace, pray that even a a moment like this this morning might turn their heart to you. God, bring salvation. Do your work in our ministry here, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.